uh, Lynette and uh, us, we shared, a, there was a friend of ours years ago who had a terrible bondage that she never wanted to get out. And she was up in her 40s and it had plagued her for her whole life. And I remember sitting outside because I don't deal with women one-on-one on these issues. Even when I can help them, I get other women for support with me because it's very dangerous. Men do not counsel women as a rule. You don't disciple women or vice versa. It, it's just very tricky. But anyway, I remember her standing up saying, God, I'm so mad at you for making me do this. So I was raped by my father. And we're like, we love you. It's like, what? What do you mean you love him? You know, it's like, thanks for telling us, you know, welcome to the human race. That wasn't your fault. You're a little kid. You know, but this, the shame thing, something else I was going to tell you. Uh, this will seem like I'm totally going off track here, but I'm not. Last week, I talked about this family from Africa with a mom, had a tumor. And this family is just in such a horrible situation, etc. Well, I mentioned it to you guys. A lot of you prayed. Some of you gave. And on Tuesday, it was all taken care of. After months of trial and crazy, it was 11 pounds. I have a picture of it. It looks like a bowling ball. It's smooth as a bowling ball, and it's, a le- it's this big. And I was thinking, a lot of you guys are carrying around your shame like that. So if you're not telling anyone about it, and you're not letting God deal with it, because it's going to be in the context of his people and prayer and the love of his people are going to be a part of the whole healing process. Because you say, hey, if people can love me, surely God can love me. And I've always doubted God can love me. Well, do things the way he says to do them and watch how well it all pans out. So anyway, this woman basically let God remove her 10-pound tumor with some of her friends around. And it's something she had never shared with anyone for decades. I keep finding this. Uh, to be the thing that is hanging people up. There's a man also back at my old church that I used to work with. He was a drunk. He was a, just a, caused all kinds of trouble in town. He said he worked as a contractor, but he wasn't very good at it. So he'd rip people off, lie to people, drink, cause trouble, move to the next town. And eventually he kind of cycled back around and come to our town. Um, unfortunately, he died a couple years ago, but I tried to work with this guy. But at one point he said, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anyone before. When I was a little boy, you know, the little pack of little boys, we used to hang out at this guy's house. And it was just a cool place to be. And I don't know what the guy had going on. But anyway, part of the deal was he sexually abused these kids. And so this guy, part of his drinking and just not being able to function was the fact that he was trying to hide who he was and where he'd been and what he'd been through. And I was like, how tragic. I am not going to judge you. And if anybody in the church is going to judge you, they're in sin. And they're the ones that are going to be disciplined. Because I don't, I don't care. Now, now, those kind of victimizations, they tend to cause people to go into sin. Because the devil says, well, now you're worthless. Now you're trashed. You might as well use your sexuality as a way to get ahead in life or a way to get what you want. And so they do lead to other sins. But even that, that 
It can all be forgiven. It can all be restored, but you got to bring it out into the light. So the Bible deals with real things. And there's people in this church that have dealt with real stuff. And then there's some people that have tried to, well, I'll give my life to Jesus and I'll kind of follow Jesus, but I don't really want to let you know what I've actually been through. And I don't want you to really know who I really am because I'm afraid you're not going to love me. Those people never get off the ground. They never get off the ground. And they think somehow they and God off in a cave somewhere are going to sort this out. It ain't going to happen. Until you're not afraid of anything in your past coming up at a party or coming up in your family or coming up in a church, we've got women in this church who've had abortions. There's a lot of churches where women are living in terror that their husband's going to find out, that the church is going to find out. Somehow they're leading the women's ministry. We've got a couple of women in our church and there's like, hey, you want to share that on Sunday? Go ahead. Just let it, let it fly. Just let somebody know I did this. I've been healed. I've been forgiven. I've been restored. That person's free. The person who's hiding is carrying around that tumor, that, that uncomfortable dead weight. They're always uncomfortable. They're never at peace. They're never at rest. They're like the person in Psalm 32. But the Bible brings out real issues. David sinned. His children sinned. Now, this, this didn't stop here because once he raped his sister, Absalom then went after Amnon and colluded and plotted and schemed until he had him alone and he murdered him. And then he raped one of his father's women on the roof of the temple once he'd driven his dad out because he hated his dad because, this again, immorality leads to resentment, leads to all kinds of sin. It just gets ugly, just like it did in all of our lives. Now, some of you haven't gone through this. We'll just have grace and mercy, and shed tears for those who did, and say, God, I just thank you that somehow I was dealt a hand that this didn't, didn't involve this, but I want to be a part of the healing. Um, man, I look back at my childhood. I, I, I dodged some crazy bullets. In California, the, the boys are sick. The little boys, they're all, they're just homosexual deviants and yeah, it's just so common, the, this kind of stuff. And then it gets into a family, and, and then any of you who are going to be parents, you think it's not going to affect your family? It touched my family when I had kids, and I thought I was going to be the warrior and protect everybody. Still got into my house, um, my kids, with our Christian friends. This is just, this is where we live as human beings, and the church needs to have the answers, the solutions. Um, and if we're not going to do this here, uh, I will resign because then we're irrelevant. And this is just this is just one of the biggest issues. Again, I think bitterness is another one. I would agree with <laughs> the guy who wrote the book Bait of Satan. I think 75% of all Christians are in bondage to bitterness. Got to deal with that one. But what we're talking about here today is shame, in particular sexual shame. There's other kinds of shame too. So if you've got a shame issue, that's not this, but shame is speaking to you, come talk to me. Um, yeah, I was thinking, I, I got so many real life files. I'll, sometimes I'll have people give me a hypothetical situation. Pastor, what would you say if a friend came to you and said, da-da-da-da-da, and uh, I found out a year later that was actually them? Um, and I was thinking of, you know what a lot of, you know what P PTSD is for a lot of soldiers? Sexual shame. 
they raped, they went to prostitutes um, because it's just a testosterone, sex-fueled, disgusting band of wild men for however long they're on tour. They, they do things they're totally ashamed of. Now, it can also involve violence, murder, murdering children. It's shame. I think PTSD is so often shame. What's their solution? The same solution that all of us have. Come clean. Come to the altar. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. Real Christians can help you find freedom. Let him turn. I used to have a friend who preached a really great sermon on turning a wound. Like imagine I got an open wound here, a gangrenous, disgusting, oozing wound. He said, God turns those wounds into scars. What's a scar? A scar is a story and a scar doesn't hurt. No pain in a scar. It's just a story and it's healed. And this friend would tell stories and he had a horrible life. And he talked about how God turned his open wounds into scars. Trying to think if anybody in here was with me back then. We used to, what did we, he's a tiny little guy, <laughs> little tiny guy, but powerful, powerful preacher. Um, so anyway, I was just thinking of this story. This is incest. This is rape. This is murder. This is a family in chaos. This was some of the homes of the people in our church. The people that just say, hey, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to take the risk. Um, they're the ones that find healing and freedom. And they're the ones that experience real love. Wow. You, you know this happened to me and you love me? Well, of course I do. Why, why would I love you? God loves you. You know that I did these horrible things and you love, yeah, I mean, I did similar. I could have done similar or only by God's grace. I didn't do so. So of course we're all in the same boat. Give me a different hand and I would have fallen into the same kind of nonsense. Let's just press into healing together. Let me help you. Let me walk with you. Let me, let me walk with you until you can walk and then you can walk with the next person that's down. So, uh, yeah, again, given this month of celebrating all this kind of crazy, the Bible couldn't be any more clear on all this. There's so many verses. That's why we need to know the New Testament. That's why we push scripture memorization. That's how Jesus beat the devil. That's how you're going to beat the devil. Don't read theology books and apologetic books and listen to your favorite podcasts and listen to all your favorite sermons before you press into the word. This is the rule. If you don't spend at least a half hour to an hour in the Bible, don't listen, read, do anything else. You have to, you have to know the word. But the word couldn't be any more clear on this stuff. What's deviant sexuality? What's inbounds? I got so many, <laughs> so many like, again, life experience has taught me this. People that have lived and experienced godless sexuality and then have experienced the way God created it, it's mind-blowing. Wow, sex is good. This was God's idea. Right place, right time, right person. Fantabulous, wonderful, awesome. Um, why some people think it's just inherently sinful is they've never gotten between the lines and, and tried to do things God's way. But Ephesians 5, this you know a certainty, no immoral or impure person or covetous man, that's somebody who wants, who is an idolater. The Bible says that immorality is a type of idolatry. When we want to fulfill our sexual appetites in ways that God didn't intend, that can totally dictate our lives. 
the people that are driven by these things have no inheritance in the kingdom of God in Christ. Don't, he says, don't be deceived with empty words. I don't care what pastors, preachers, denominations are saying it. The Bible, Jesus, the apostles, from start to finish, the message is clear. Again, we don't have time to go over theology of sex, but it is for covenant. It is for a man and a woman. Now, of course, there's going to be, we're going to be attracted to different people and different genders and all kinds of different things, but that's why it's called a temptation. We don't give in to temptation just because it's there. I mean, that's the, the, the whole goal of our life is to walk in righteousness, which means to, to learn to overcome temptation. So if you have homosexual temptation, well, that, that might not be my thing. Maybe I'm heterosexually tempted or whatever, but the goal is for all of us to learn to walk between the lines. Why did God give us sexuality? So that one man, who very unique creatures, men, very different than women, but so one man and one woman could enter into a covenant, which means I'm going to swear my life to you. I'm going to swear my life to you. I'm going to fulfill these obligations. I'm going to fulfill these obligations. And God says, now have a sexual relationship so you guys will be addicted to each other. And it's really fun. And I want you to enjoy it and have a ball. Be like, oh, I can't believe the pastor said that. He created it. He said it's good, but it's also mysterious. It's one of the greatest mysteries out there. So the devil, trying to figure out how to screw us up, says, you know what? If I can get a hold of their sexuality, they're all, they're going to be just a big tangled mess. Nobody's going to be able to make, a sense, of, make sense of anything. Um, I think porn addiction is probably the main reason men aren't active in most Bible-believing churches, quite frankly. Porn addiction. I, I would believe that. Porn addiction. Most men struggle with porn. And it's the reason they won't step up and become deacons and elders and get involved in the men's group, whatever, because they feel so condemned. What are they doing? They're hiding. And if most churches are honest, the men would say, hey, I struggle with porn. And guess what? The whole rest of the room, except out of 100 guys, maybe one or two don't find that tempting. That's what I've found. Ladies are like, I can't believe this. Well, you got your own issues, ladies. Um, but if we're going to be honest, we're like, okay, well, we better figure out how to stay between the lines. If we're a real church, yeah, and again, women have their own issues, and they, they use their sexuality in different ways. Men are just like, you know, ravenous dogs. That's, that's how they use their sexuality. Women use it more strategically. They get what they want, usually. So, anyhow, this is, so let no one deceive you. Don't partake with them. You are formerly darkness. Now you're light in the Lord. We can have victory. A lot of people in here have victory because we're honest, we're open. That's what the CD groups are for, core discipleship groups. We are in each other's business. We're talking openly about what we struggle with, where we're tempted, put up parameters. We're real, and that's how we walk in victory. Um, I let the guys know the questions they need to ask me. I don't generally, as a rule, I don't watch television if Susan isn't around. I make a general rule about the internet that I don't go on it unless it's for research. And when I deviate in the slightest, I will tell them that I deviated. Why? Because you're like, oh, maybe we should get a better pastor. Fine, go find a better pastor. Because I'm just being honest with you. If I go slight, I got addicted to pornography when I was 11 years old. And it's like, it's like any drug that if I get a hit, I can be sliding down that slippery slope. So I put up the parameters and I'm usually walking in victory. Why? Because I'm getting the help of the guys in the church. There's a bunch of people in this church that are walking in victory. The marriages that are happening in this church, there's not fornication leading up to the altar because you can't turn fornication into a blessed marriage. 
You cannot turn fornication into a blessed marriage. You cannot turn fornication into a blessed marriage. Make a note of that. Write that down. Because people try all the time. Once we cross the altar, we'll have God's arm behind his back and he'll have to make it a blessed marriage. No, 20 years from now, you're going to be going stupid, 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 stupid. We've got to do things God's way. So scriptures like this, don't kid yourself. Don't listen to the culture. Don't listen to the backslidden church. Do things God's way and be happy. Get your junk out. You can be forgiven. Get your sin out there. Get your darkness out there. Get what, you, what you've been through. There's other people in the church that have been through similar things. Even the dirty deeds. I remember this guy talking about how he was raped by these older boys. And then somehow, at some point, they taught him how to, I know this sounds repulsive, and you're like, I just threw up in my mouth, taught him to enjoy it. And so then he feels like, well, now how can I blame them because I'm now participating? And how can I say I'm a victim? Just let's talk about it. That's all part of the sick, twisted human experience. Let's get you over this. Let's get this behind you. So you can have a blessed marriage. <laughs> I know some dirty, dirty dogs who have been redeemed and have really sweet marriages. But part of it was just coming clean. So, okay, that's just more of that story. This is where he started. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. <laughs> Again, in Africa, I'm so proud of this young guy. There's a young guy that I kind of connected with, and he's just been in my heart a lot. I've been praying for him a lot. And uh, he's kind of, I guess you'd say, a high-profile young person in that church. And I did a sermon on sexual purity, and I was done. The previous talk at a different place, I gave people a chance to respond. And this one, I didn't feel like I needed to, and I just told the pastor, all right, I'm done. I've said what I need to say. Here's the mic. And he went up and uh, just started wrapping things up. This kid just walks all the way from the back, all the way up the center aisle. And he was the one who said, look, I was going to kill myself. I cannot take it anymore. And he just, this is what I am. This is where I've been. And then other people just started coming up. And I'm like saying, you know, when I, I just thought you are, that was so courageous. And then after it was all over, I said, this all happened because of you. In a good sense, you let this loose by your courage. But also, while he was in the middle of it, I felt like the Lord said, walk up in the middle of everything, go give him a big hug and tell him you love him. And I did. I just interrupted him. And he, started, and he wept in my arm. And I said, you know, I'm just like, you're loved, you're blessed. You're, you know, this is not going to put up a wall. This is going to tear down walls. And so if we're going to be a real church, this is, this is what we got to do. Take the risk. Be courageous. Um, you, you want to get to the place where you're not afraid of anything from your past. So your spouse, you should be at your high school reunion and somebody comes up to your spouse and says, you know that your husband slept with that girl when he was in high school? Well, yeah. And he repented of that. And he regretted that. And I don't know why you're so weird that you would think you needed to tell me <laughs> that. Right. But, but, but again, the, the, the husband's not like, oh, my goodness. And then their marriage is in turmoil and they have to go to counseling. And, she, you know, why didn't you tell me that? Whatever. That's actually where, like, one of the reasons that uh, Richard and Nikki have such a sweet marriage. On one of their early dates, I think they're just like, all right, here goes. Blah! All over the table. 
And Ricky's like, all right, here goes. And I remember Ricky calling me because I'm, I'm, you know, in some respects, I'm like spiritual dad. And he calls me up. Hey, this is what's up. I'm like, well, can you handle it? If you can handle it, marry the girl. If you can't handle it, you know, don't kid yourself. And, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to pray about this. Okay, I can handle it. I love her. She's awesome. I'm going to marry her. There's nothing that can come now up. And, and I know a lot of their past as well. And it doesn't affect my relationship with them, with them at all. They're two very free people who have, for young people, one of, the, one of the better marriages I'm aware of. And that was part of it. You can do the same thing. You can do that with your church body. You can do that with me. And then one of the reasons I'm doing this is because this keeps coming up in recent days. This came up in Africa. This came up just the other day. The Lord's like, deal with this. Punch us in the mouth. This is going to be a place where these kind of things are dealt with. What else do we got here? Points to ponder. Okay. Shame that is not dealt with will shape my character. You will be distorted and molded by your shame. Shame that is not dealt with will control my behaviors. Shame makes you susceptible to lies, but it also makes you susceptible to sin and more shame. Fear of others keeps me enslaved to my shame. The reason you don't just come out and tell is because you're afraid that you won't be loved, you won't be accepted, you'll be rejected, et cetera, et cetera, by your family, by your church, et cetera. Um, If somebody's going to reject you, about who, what you've been through, um, then that relationship is just not going to be very helpful for you. You need people that say, you know what? I know what you've been through. Come here. I love you now more than I did before you told me. And if you don't have those kind of people in your life, they're, they're not going to be of much benefit to you in terms of a relationship. Relationships where you have to fake it aren't really relationships. So you're enslaved to it because you're afraid these people reject you. Well, if they reject you, then it's probably for the best, and you need to find some people that won't reject you when they find out what you've been through. Uh, The way to freedom is to bring everything into the light. With who? Whoever you need to. Maybe God wants you to do it in front of the church. Maybe God just wants you to tell your mentor. Maybe God just wants you to tell the CD group. Until you're not afraid of it anymore. Until you're not afraid of anything from your past. And you're at peace. There's nothing. I, I'm like, I got nothing. I don't have any monsters. You know, did you know your husband got addicted to porn when he was 11? Well, duh. He talks about it in about every 10th sermon. Or, you know, do you know that when uh, some businessman gave him a, you know, computer and, you know, he went on a mission trip to Ethiopia years ago that there's a bunch of porn on it. And he looked at it and then he repented. And yeah, because he called me first of all and told me before he deleted it all. You know, it's like, I don't, your elders know that you struggle, you know, with blood, but yeah, they hold me accountable every week. Do the guys you disciple know, you know, duh. Do you know that so-and-so did this? Well, yeah, that's part of what we do as a church. The way to freedom is just bring it out until there's nothing left to fear. And God will redeem it. And like our friend Tina then he'll turn it into a big fat sword and you will go on the rampage and after the evil one and be setting people free with your testimony. Tina's got a brutal testimony. She was pimped out by her stepfather, impregnated by, I, she thought it was him until she remembered that she was pimped out. It was like, who knows who impregnated? And then forced to have an abortion at 13 
And now she just goes around and tells everybody her story. And then everybody comes up afterwards and I'm broken too. Help me out. Bring it out into the light. Take the risk. You will be loved. Those who condemn, reject me are either hypocrites or clueless. They don't know their own souls. Uh, And at one point, Peter actually thought he was made of better stuff than the other apostles. And Jesus went, oh, you shouldn't do that, Peter. Because when you get pride like that, that sets you up for the devil to come in and wipe you out. So the devil came in and helped Peter understand that he's not made of anything better than anyone else. And whatever anyone else had done, he could have done himself. Then he was ready to lead the church. Because after God broke him down, and he understood how weak and pathetic he is apart from the grace of God. What I am hiding is common. Sexually abused by a family member. I'm not going to look at any incest. Sexually abused as a child. Homosexuality. Bestiality. Oh, don't say these kind of things. Welcome to the human race. Murder. It's all common. The church is a place to deal with it. I'll never know I'm really loved until I get this out. Try me. I dare you. Or, you know, if you're a woman, try one of the more godly, mature women in the church. Try me and see. Someone did this. Whenever somebody does this, they're like, all right, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anyone before. Like, oh, no, he's got bodies buried under his house. What am I going to do? Lord, help me out. And then he tells me, I'm like, really, that's it? That's, That's all you got? That's it? That's been hanging you up for the last 30 years? You kidding me? That's like half the guys in our church. I mean, what the heck? So this is where I started. Anyone who won't love the enslaved, (laughs) go find another church. Seriously. Go find a church where people are either hypocrites or clueless. And at that church, miracles will not happen. Because Jesus is for the really broken who went through real stuff. And this area of sexual brokenness is one of the deepest, most profound, ugliest, and the thing that, you know, like, we just don't want anybody to know. It's like, yeah, I drank when I was in high school. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I stole when I was a kid. Ha, ha, ha. I got raped by my uncle. I had sex with whoever when I was a child. I cheated on my husband. Ah, There's something about this that's just so much more shameful. So we're not going to celebrate it. This is not a month to celebrate such things. The only reason the church is giving into this is because the church has lost the answers. We have the answers. And if you're somebody who doesn't know me and you come talk to me about something, I don't care what it is. There's either somebody in this church or a friend in my network who has gone through it and out of it. And the only way out of it is through it. So that's about all I got. But uh, yeah, if this is speaking to you, don't run out the door. Take, you know, have the courage to step up, get some prayer, deal with this stuff. You will be loved. You'll be restored.
God's grace is sufficient. And uh, yeah, Jesus overcame it all. So let's pray. Father, we come before in Jesus' name. Thank you that the Bible's real, real people, real problems, real issues, real solutions. We thank you, Jesus, that only your death, burial, and resurrection has the power to free us, break the chains. There's no other religion that does that. All the other religions are telling us to make ourselves good when we know we can't be and we never will be because we're too dirty, too defiled, too covered in shame. Only you can make us good by what you've done. And I pray, Lord God, that uh, the words that were spoken would start the process of setting people free. And this would be a place where sinners could run to find healing and forgiveness and cleansing. And we love you. And I just thank you for this body. We thank you for all the miracles you've done here. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a wrap. But if, if you need to talk, you need to pray, please come talk to me. Um, if you're a young lady, maybe God will you know, lead you to one of the... Uh, I would recommend probably right here, Lynette sitting right in front of me. She's one of the point people you'd want to come talk to, but uh, there's healing.